just something as simple as putting a tree up, which, you know, we've done multiple times, you know, and just seeing her reaction and just smiling because she's never, you know, seen anything like that or, you know, just the joy that we've seen. You have to learn that things are not always going to go the way you plan them. And that's okay, because she's safe and she's healthy. When you have a kid, it's a little different, because then, you know, it's a sibling or anything like that, like, you can just kind of walk away and know that, like, your parents are doing it or mm -hmm. taking care of it, but, you know, with her, it's... Yeah, we are the parents. Yeah, we are the me understand how much God loves us because I know how much I love her and I can only imagine how much more he loves us. Good morning church. Merry Christmas to you. So glad to have you today. Wasn't that children beautiful? Wasn't that great? Just a wonderful Christine Cartwright and her team do such a great job coaching them up. I'm thinking maybe buy them a bus, send them on tour, right? Yeah, cut an album or something. If you do that anymore, you don't cut albums. What do you, I don't know, you make a recording. I don't know what you do. Yeah. Sounds like a good idea. Welcome to Union Chapel. We, uh, we are thrilled about the Christmas season. We love Christmas. It's uh, a great holiday, and, and, uh, and it also becomes a focal point for the one special offering that we receive every year. And I want to just remind you that next weekend during the services, we'll be receiving our Christmas offering, and of course on Christmas Eve as well. And so I wanted you to just be aware of where we're focusing our attention with that offering this year. Just a, a reminder, refresher, I mentioned some of this last week, that $10,000 will go to the Blood and Fire Christmas store. Bob and Stacy Ball and their team build this beautiful store and their facility, and about 200, 250 families get Christmas who otherwise wouldn't. And so we're thrilled about that. And then, uh, like their path, children's Bibles, uh, $4,000 will be designated to that. We've sent now thousands of these children's Bibles uh, here and there across the country in the area. Uh, they'll be going to Ecuador this summer, next summer, and so we're excited about that as well. Let me just say something about the children's Bibles. Those are really cool Bibles. Uh, I have one, and I love it. You know, it's got pictures in it, and, and it's really easy to follow along. If you're a person, I, I'm serious about this. If you're a person who just gets intimidated, you're new to the faith, the Bible seems a little overwhelming, you don't know where to start, you're not sure how to get a grip on this thing, get a children's Bible. Yeah, seriously. I, I, look, at, I look at a children's Bible all the time. It just simplifies and makes easier. So make it easy on yourself. Uh, and and uh, that might be a, a, good, a good step. And then finally, uh, we're going to... Start building a war chest, if you will, for this whole arena of recovery support ministries. 
We have been doing some investigation around this subject in our community, and Muncie, Delaware County uh, apparently has a missing link, a, le a missing piece of the continuum of care for people in recovery, and it has to do with the transition from finishing recovery and moving into the real world. There's a transition piece there that usually requires residency and housing, and it's actually missing in our community. And uh, we want to be strategic about this. And so, as I say, we want to build a war chest, start put some money together so that when partnerships get formed, and they will get formed, there are so many people involved in this uh, important work in our community, and folks will realize that this is a growing need. And so we want to be part of it in a strategic way of that. So we not only want to believe, uh, bring our worldview and our intellectual capital that, to that partnership, but we want to, want to have some some actual uh, financial capital as well to bring to that partnership. And so we'll start accumulating money for that. We're, we're also discovering why this transition residency piece is missing. It's because it's really hard. It's a hard piece, it's complex, it's, uh, it's expensive. And so you understand why it may be one of the last pieces to come into play. So we wanna be part of that, do something substantial. And so thank you for praying about how you might contribute to the Christmas offering next weekend. Appreciate it so much. Well, we are uh, in a series this Advent uh, season on letting go of things. We've talked about letting go of stuff, which is not easy to do in a materialistic culture and around the holidays, of course. Uh, talking about letting go of distractions, which is hard to do, but, but you know, we're encouraging each other to kind of let go and travel lighter and and, and lighten the load so that we can appreciate the people and the, and the values that are most important to us in the holiday season. Uh, so letting go of distractions. Last week, we talked about letting go of bitterness, an issue that all of us have to contend with in our lives. Unforgiveness is a real thing. Offenses occur. And if we're not careful and intentional, a root of bitterness can, can land in our lives and really hinder and hamper us. And today I want to talk about letting go of control. Letting go of control. <laughs> now, if you're thinking right now, oh, this, is, this isn't relevant to me. Everyone wants to grab for control from time to time. And some of us have a real problem with this. And uh, actually, I can speak with great authority on the subject <laughs> because of my tendencies. And so hopefully we can learn some things about letting go of those tendencies we have to try to control our lives. We've chosen as our text today this beautiful passage about the Virgin Mary, the mother of Jesus, from Luke chapter 1. I'm going to read ver selected verses from 26 to 38. And uh, our custom is to stand to hear God's word. We'll project these words on the screen and hear the word of God. In the sixth month of Elizabeth's pregnancy, God sent the angel Gabriel to Nazareth, a village in Galilee, to a virgin named Mary. She was engaged to be married to a man named Joseph, a descendant of King David. Gabriel appeared to her and said, Greetings, favored woman. The Lord is with you. Confused and disturbed. Hear those two words. Confused and disturbed. Mary tried to think what the angel could mean. Don't be afraid, Mary, the angel told her, for you have found favor with God. You will conceive and give birth to a son, and you will name him Jesus. He will be very great and will be called the Son of the Most High. Mary asked the angel, But how can this happen? I'm a virgin. The angel replied, the Holy Spirit will come upon you and the power of the Most High will overshadow you. So the baby to be born will be holy 
and he will be called the Son of God. Mary responded, I am the Lord's servant. May everything you have said about me come true. Wow. May God inspire and instruct us through this powerful story. You may be seated. Thank you so much. Now, I'm curious, how many of you would say honestly that there is at least one area in your life, maybe multiple areas, but at least one area in your life that, that you love to control? Just say, would you raise your hand and just say, yeah, that's me? Yeah, okay, yeah, some of you are raising two hands like you're worshiping. I saw some people giving you the elbow. Now, if you're the one who was elbowing someone that you perceive to be controlling, let me just sub- submit to you that this message may be particularly for you. <laughs> that'll, that'll come to you later. So God wants to speak to us about letting go of control. Uh, Mary is dis- defined here in this original encounter with the angel about her call to bear the Son of God. She's described as confused and disturbed. Maybe you find yourself in this kind of condition, this kind of state. Maybe you had plans for your life and the life you have now doesn't look much like your plans. You don't know how you got here. You don't know what happened. You don't know why it happened. And you're in a situation now that's confusing, disturbing. You're not sure how to manage. Mary was confused and disturbed. The angel said to her, don't be afraid. You have found favor with God. You will bear a son. You will call him Jesus, which is just the English transliteration of an original Hebrew reference to that name, which means Savior. The name Jesus literally means the one who saves. That works okay, doesn't it? That's a perfect name. So Mary asked the angel, how can this happen? I'm a virgin. And the angel said, the Holy Spirit will come upon you. And the power of the Most High will overshadow you. It's fascinating, isn't it? So the baby to be born will be holy. And of course, Mary then, she's confused. She's disturbed because these don't fit into her plans. You know, she may have said, well, you know, I have a five-year plan and no, that's not, not part of it. And she's just like any girl in her day, in her circumstance. Uh, she has very limited options, very narrow margins. And she has become betrothed to a man. We assume that they love each other and that she has a future because of this potential relationship and this marriage. And now it's all been thrown up in the air. It's interesting to see Mary's response. The English Standard Version of the last verse, verse 38 that we read a moment ago, actually says it a certain way. I want you to see it on the screen with me. And Mary said, Behold the servant of the Lord... And then she quotes the Beatles. Fascinating. Let it be. To me, according to your word, let it be. Isn't that fascinating? Yeah. Now, when she says, let it be to me, according to your word, this is Mary, even though she's disturbed and she's confused, she is surrendering her will to God. It's an amazing thing. What a wonderful model for us. Now, I'm not a mind reader today, but I suspect that some of you already are thinking, I know someone who needs to hear this message because control is something that you've noticed in other people or you experience from other people. And and maybe this is a perfect message for that person you're thinking about. 
Many of you, for example, right now are thinking of your mother-in-law. And this happens in the world. And as mothers-in-law, if you're a mother-in-law in in the room today, listen, you got to be careful. You just got to watch this because control becomes an easy thing for you. Uh, And you say, well, wait a minute. I'm not controlling. I'm I'm just aggressively helpful. (laughs) I'm I'm not really controlling. I'm just thoroughly organized. People around me need more help. Some of you, listen, are so wound up so tight, you make coffee nervous. <laughs> yeah, now face into that. Deal with it. Some of you want to control everything. I mean, your kids know it. You could ask them. You, you want to control what they look like, where they go, who they hang out with, what they do, what they make on their ACTs, where they go to college, who they're going to marry, how many kids they're going to have and how they're going to take care of you when you're old, you want to control them. Yeah. Your spouse, you're wearing them out. Yeah. You talk to them about how they chew their food, how they dress, what they say, what they want, where they should go, how they load the dishwasher, how they vacuum the carpet. Well, let me just say about vacuuming, that's actually very important because vacuuming the carton, you want to make parallel lines. On the, on the long axis of the room, parallel lines, no cross marks like that, all the way out to the edges. You know, everything is under the Lord. But otherwise, you want to be in control. <laughs> Some of you really want to control what people think about you. And social media is your greatest weapon. This is what you use. You filter and edit everything. Some family... In this, in this room, already this month has gone through something like this. It took you 37 tries to get just the perfect picture of your family with the Christmas tree in the background. 37 tries. You almost killed one of your kids, and you've almost come to a divorce over it, you know, but you finally got it. Hashtag blessed. It's funny, though, uh, because the more you try to be in control, the more you fear losing control. Think about that, except it's not really funny. The more you want to be in control is usually a result of having, in your past, been hurt or wounded or betrayed in relationships or in other settings. You've suffered pain. And so what happens to us is we cultivate the idea that I... I can control my environment and control the people around me in order to protect me from further wounding. For some people in their psychology, they think, I can't take one more blow. If I, I just feel if I take one more blow, I'm going to collapse. And so as a result of that, the tendency to control the environment, control people, gets very much highly enhanced. It gets very intense because if I can control that person, then, they, I, then I'll keep them from hurting me. Today, I want to give you one big idea. Just one big idea. There's really just one point. There's two points, but th- this, this one is the only one you have to fill in the blank. This is a short holiday sermon. So, so try to stay with me. It, it won't last much longer. But here's the point. I want you to write this down if you'd like. You don't always have the power to control, 
but you always have the power to surrender. You don't always have the power to control. You always have the power to surrender. The point is that you can't get her to behave like you want her to. You can't get him to do everything you want him to do. You can't get your marriage just the way you want it to be. You can't get your finances all lined up perfectly. You can't get your future all organized so that it turns out the way you imagine. You can't get your health exactly where you want it. You can't make your kids be everything you dream for them. Just can't do it. You don't always have the power to control, but you do have the power to surrender. When the angel appears to Mary, a lot of people hear this and they think, well, this must be easy for Mary. I mean, that's, she's Mary, the mother of God. I mean, I mean, statues have been named after her. You can see, see her image in people's yards, for crying out loud. Cathedrals and schools and hospitals have all been named after her. I mean, after all, she's the Virgin Mary. So it must have been easy for her. No, wait a minute. This is an ordinary, everyday, average teenage girl. Scholars think maybe 13, 14, perhaps as old as 15 years old. She had hopes and dreams just like any other girl. You understand she couldn't uh, come home from youth camp and Snapchat some handsome little boy that she she liked at camp. You know, no Christian mingle available to her. She's got very limited options. No match.com is out there. So she, she has found this bull, this, this man named Joseph, and she has plans and she has a future and she has dreams. And an angel appears to her and says, no, 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 you're not going that direction. God has another design for you. And you can resonate with this because some of you had plans. You had plans to have two kids and that was it. And surprise, now you're raising that third one. Or some of you had plans to have three kids, but you can't conceive the first one. Something's not right. And maybe it was that perfect job that you took, that career you chose, and you, you imagine it all working out, but it's not worked out. And now there's some crisis in your career. Your marriage isn't where it's supposed to be. Maybe for some of you and your family will be like my family this year. There'll be an empty chair at the dinner table. Didn't expect that to happen. We're sad that it happened, but the chair's empty this year. And we have to cope with that and deal with that. Maybe it's a health issue. Maybe it's financial weight. Maybe it's a number of things. You're disturbed. You're confused. You didn't think this is the way it would be. You can identify with Mary because this is the disruption that she experienced. And just like Mary, watch it now, you have a choice to make. Remember, you don't always have the power to control, but you always have the power to surrender. Mary had to make a choice between her dreams and God's destiny. Think about it. She had to make a decision between her plans and God's better purpose for her life. She had to make a decision between her control and God's calling. These are decisions that all of us have to make many times in our lives. And we love her and admire her for it, don't we? Aren't you glad? She said, yes. Aren't you glad? She said, let it be. Let it be, Lord, <laughs> to me as you have said. Yeah. Even though she didn't understand the plan, she trusted that her heavenly father had a purpose in all of it and would make it turn out okay. I want you to think about this. There's no such thing as a partial surrender. 
No such thing. I tried this on Beth, my wife, this past week just to see what kind of reaction I would get. And uh, I got the reaction I was expecting. (laughs) I said, honey, uh, I just wanted to make a report to you um, with regard to to my commitment to you, you know, how I've surrendered myself to you, only to you in covenant. And I want to report that I have been faithful 87.5% of the time. 87.5% of the time, which is really a remarkable number when you think about consistency. That's the vast majority of time that you're devoted only to her. And I mean, for example, if you're playing Major League Baseball and you have an 875 batting average, you you will make more money than any human has ever made in baseball. I mean, it's a really phenomenal, phenomenal mark. And so I smiled at her and said, so 87.5% of the time, I'm all yours. Now, when you hear it that way, I'm not going to describe the scowl that she gave me, but... When you hear it that way, you go, well, no, no, that's, that's not right. That's not the way. That's not best. I mean, what are you thinking? That's not going to work. How in the world is that going to work? And we, we can apply that to marriage and the expectation for total surrender there. So how much more is it important that we surrender all of our lives to Jesus? I mean, Folks get confused about this. And I just want to remind us of what, what the requirements are, what the expectations are. You know, we have too many people in our culture today who say, well, I can trust Jesus to save my soul, but, you know, I like to, you know, fool around. Or they might say, I trust him to make my past okay because I got a lot of mistakes in my past, so I'm trusting God to clean that all up. But I, but I can't trust him with my money. Eh, that's just too much. You know, I got to control that. Or I trust him to give me peace when I'm hurting or I'm in a crisis, but, but I can't trust him with my kids. I mean, those are my kids. I, I control them. Yeah. There's no such thing, though, as a partial surrender. No, no. This is, this, is, uh, this is what our desire to control is ultimately rooted in, and I can speak to this authoritatively because I know, know what, it, what it is. And what I've discovered in my life is that my desire to control is rooted in a lack of faith. It's a lack of believing that ultimately God can be trusted. Now, now, now receive that, hear that, absorb that, try to feel that if you can. See, the, the more I overestimate my ability to control a situation, the more I am underestimating the power, goodness, capacity, and faithfulness of God. The more I over-consider my own ability to manage and control and manipulate a circumstance, the more I am undervaluing, underestimating God's capacity to manage it. It's not easy because everything in culture tells us, you've got to make it happen. Uh, if it's, if it's going to be, it's, it's up to me. You know, I've got to get in there. I've got to be strong. I've got I to manage all of this. But Jesus says something that is diametrically opposed to everything that culture teaches us about this issue of control. And this is the one verse I want you to hear today. It's Matthew chapter 10, verse 39. Look at it on the screen. Jesus said, if you cling to your life, you will lose it. If you, 
If you cling to your life, if you try to save your life, you try to control your life, you try to manage your own life, you'll actually lose it. But if you give up your life for me, you will find it. Wow. Now that's, that's counterintuitive, isn't it? It just doesn't fit the, fit the model. It doesn't fit the MO. That, that, that's not our default setting. You know, when things get wobbly, you want to reach and grab for it. And, and so Jesus said, look, you can't cling to your life because by doing so, you'll actually lose it. Because as it turns out, we don't have control over anything. Not a thing, not a moment. And so the only way that we can find meaning and find purpose and find significance and find hope, find the strength we need day to day is to actually give our lives away. If you give up your life for me, Jesus said, you'll find it. In other words, to follow, follow Jesus fully is to surrender full control. I'll, I'll let you in on a secret. This is a decision that we have to make all the time. I don't know about you, but um, I, I can surrender control one minute and, and take it right back the next. And so this is a decision that I have to make on a regular basis. When you look at Mary, though, she models for us beautifully what this is about. From the very first moment, she's dazed and confused. I mean, we've learned that. She's disturbed by the whole thing, but she immediately, instinctively, and faithfully goes, look, I don't have any control in my life anyway, and so I'm better to leave it in God's hands rather than my own. And so she says, let it be, as you say, let it be. And every time Mary surrenders her life, surrenders the next step into God's control and God's care, God demonstrates his faithfulness. And what, you, you can see this. Uh, okay, first step, you're going to be pregnant as a virgin. Oh, that's, that's, that's shocking. And, but she concludes, all right, God, let it be. Well, and now you've got to tell Joseph, no, I'm not. That's the last thing I'm going to do is tell him. You have to tell him, okay, let it be. And Joseph hears the news and doesn't respond well at first, but God's got it. He's faithful. He sends Gabriel in a dream. Now Joseph's in on the whole story. And then it's giving birth. I mean, this girl rode on top of a burrow for 80 miles to Bethlehem, nine months pregnant. Wow, and then no place to deliver this baby. And so she's just going, let it be, Lord, let it be. And God, God sustains her and God keeps her and shepherds come to worship this baby. And she's reminded, oh well, yeah, God is with us. And then the wise men come and they leave these expensive gifts. And, and she's reminded maybe God is really with us and helping us. And then the king finds out and wants to kill the baby and they have to flee to Egypt. But They've already been provided for that trip. They're not destitute. They have these expensive gifts. They, they, ha, they have great wealth. And so they're, they're able to maintain their lives even in ex exile into Egypt. And so step by step by step, we see Mary saying, okay, Lord, let it be, let it be. This is, this is confusing and disturbing, but I trust you because I don't have any control of my life. And so I give my life to you. Let it be, let it be. And what you will discover, this is where the amen goes right after this statement, get ready. You will discover in your life that as you surrender your control 
and give it to God and trust him with all of the details and affairs of your life that God will manifest his faithfulness to you. It is absolutely true that when you surrender to God, control of the details of your life, God will prove himself faithful to take care of your life. We see this in the life of Jesus. I mean, he saw it modeled in his own mother. So Jesus gets to Gethsemane. And you remember this night, the night before the crucifixion, and he's agonizing over this horrible experience that he is about to go through. And he prays if it can, if it can pass from him, please, you know, I'd prefer not to have to do this. But ultimately he comes to this conclusion, I don't have control over my life. And the best thing to do is to surrender every detail to God's care. And so that's how Jesus prayed, let it be. Not my will, but thine be done. Amazing, amazing. And so that leaves us to this question. And it's on your outline there. And I just want you to contemplate it a few minutes this morning as we conclude. What are you trying to control in your life right now that you need to surrender? What is it? Can we take a practical step today by thinking, praying about this? actually taking a step in the right direction, the direction of surrender, giving God more control of our lives. It'll work out better that way. You'll discover his faithfulness. So would you bow your heads with me, prayerfully, thoughtfully? Let's just spend a few minutes, just a few moments, working together. If there's a burden on your heart, I don't know what it might be. Could be a relationship, could be a marriage, could be a child that you're aching for, maybe a bad diagnosis, a financial weight feels crushing, could be fear, could be a hurt because of something that you've lost, grief over that empty chair at the table, could be an addiction, just can't seem to beat, could be the guilt that you're carrying from something that you did that you can't undo, Could I encourage you this morning, choose to give the Lord the burden of that which you're trying to control. In the New Testament, 1 Peter 5, 7, it says, cast all your cares, all your worries and anxieties on him, your father, because he cares for you. Think about the story of Mary. This angel appears to her. What did the angel say? The angel said, the Lord is with you. He's with you. Remember Jesus, he's described as Emmanuel, which means God, the God who is with us. Hope you feel that today, that God is with you. Now, listen, I'm your pastor. Beth and I love you. We carry the burden of your lives in our prayers. We want the very best for you. But here's the truth. I can't control you, not at all. Frankly, I'd love it if I could talk you into it that you would choose to surrender your life completely to God. But that's a choice you have to make for yourself. You have to do it. But I can promise you this, God can do way more through your surrender than you could ever do through your control. Whatever's on your heart today is actually better in his hands. So Father, we ask that you would do what only you can do today work in our hearts, 
Work in the hearts of your people that you love so much. Show us, God, that you're with us, that you're good, that you're here. And on the other side of our faith, we will see your faithfulness. While you're praying today, nobody looking around, those of you who would say, I have something to surrender today. Your prayer is, God, help me surrender this person, this situation, this concern, this burden, whatever it is. Help me surrender this to you. If that's, if that's you this morning, would you just slip your hand up in the air? Say, yeah, that's me. I need to surrender this. Good, good. So many, so many. God, I thank you that your spirit is doing what no person has the power to do. You're touching our hearts. And in the same way Mary said it, the same way Jesus said it, the same way they lived it, God, help us say it. Help us to live it. Let it be. Let it be, God. Not our will, but your will be done. Lord, we know we'll be disturbed. We may be confused. But ultimately, God, even if we don't understand the plan, we can trust you your character, your goodness, trusting that you always have purpose. So give us the grace, the courage, the help we need to surrender, to surrender to you. In Jesus' name. Now, if that's a meaningful prayer, say amen. Amen. Would you stand with us now as we sing?